Welcome back to another hour of Scotch Hour. I'm Noah. And I'm Jesse. All right, this is episode 146. And uh, today we'll be uh, tasting the uh, Ben Bromach uh, 10-year. We'll have our shout-outs and get-togethers from there, followed by our restaurant review being the Upper Deck. And then our uh, Smarter Challenge. And I don't know how really to say this in a concise way, but uh, <laughs> it's about history and how it's not so much about the past, but how it is uh, in the present um, and how, or how it reflects the present. Um, before we jump in with, uh, with our show, a uh, quick shout out to all the uh, viewers on YouTube and Rumble and all those subscribers. We greatly appreciate all of you. Uh, and also to all the many different audio platforms that you can listen to us. Uh, we greatly appreciate all of you. Uh, thank you for the uh, wonderful bounce back that we've had with you guys and the three new subscribers that we've, uh, that we've received on there. So uh, we greatly appreciate that. Please like, share, and subscribe <laughs> if you like our content. And if you want to uh, help us out in our endeavor of bringing you Scotch reviews and restaurant reviews of the Denver metro area, uh, please uh, become a patron member for a minimum of a dollar a month or whatever you want to contribute to, a, to our nice array of scotches. Scotch review. All right, as Noah mentioned, this week's review, Ben Romach, 10-year Speyside single malt scotch. Of course, it's in the Highlands, but Speyside region. And it is sure to be an interesting one. Uh, the history itself, pretty short, sweet, and concise. Like many a uh, scotch distillery, it's got an age-old foundation. 1898, it was originally founded. However, as many went through in the early 1900s, uh, economic troubles did create it to get mothballed and close its doors for quite some time. Uh, then much later, 1993, it was acquired by the Urquhart family and reopened five years after that in 1998. Because of that, it is family-owned, not the same as the original family, but it is still a family-owned distillery. Uh, this one in particular, a 43% ABV. Uh, the Ben Romach Distillery, they like to express that they have four ingredients in their scotch. Number one, barley. Number two, water. Yeast as number three. And then uh, the human touch is number four. Although if that's one of the ingredients, what are they putting in there? So let's leave that for the imagination. Uh, the barley is locally grown there near the distillery in Speyside, Scotland. And it's malted with just a little peat. The water source is the Japalton Springs in the Romach Hills. Um, again, every one of the great distilleries that we've enjoyed has a coveted water source and that human human touch uh well what they say they are expressing is an expertise in making a space whiskey with subtle smoky character i really don't want to know what that human touch is 
<laughs> well, I'm thinking about the song, and I know what it is then, and it makes babies. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure if they give you the human touch on their tours, though. And I'm well, not sure if they would be welcomed. Or if you would want it. <laughs> Uh, but they do have a few different tours. Uh, they do have the what's called the classic tour. It's one hour long, and it's uh, 10 Great British Pounds. So you're probably talking about like $11, uh, $12 right there. I don't know if you get to taste any drams. It does not mention that in there. Uh, they do have another one, which is called the Contrast Tour. That's an hour and a half long, 25 Great, great British Pounds. And once again, it does not mention whether or not you get to try any drams. Then they have the Heritage Tour, which is uh, 24, uh, which is uh, uh, two hours and 75 Great British Pounds. And this is where you get a tutoring tasting. So there is some, some drams here that they mention. Uh, Topless tutors, Van Wilder. <laughs> and yeah, hopefully, right? Uh, I'm gonna mind the human touch there, maybe. <laughs> yeah, depends on yeah. the touch. <laughs> so, so you talk about 75 great British pounds, so you're probably talking right there about like right around like close to 80 bucks, maybe. Um, and then the next one they have is the manager tour. This one is this, this is weird because this one has a range, it could be anywhere from 90 minutes to 120 minutes. And it costs 350 great British pounds. Doesn't mention anything about drinking on uh, drinking any drams in this tour, but you do get an exclusive bottle. And then they have what's called the Red Door. Uh, this is 10 great uh, 10 uh, great British pounds. Um, and all it says is that you go behind the red door. Maybe that's where you get your human touch. I that's have no definitely going to have a human touch. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you want to really go behind the, the, the red door. see what's behind red door number one. <laughs> but the one thing that holds true with all of these uh, tours, which makes me think that they, even though it may not mention uh, tasting any drams, there probably are uh, some drams for, drams for you to taste, is that you have to be 18 and older to attend any one of these tours. You have to give them at least a 48-hour notice, and each tour can have no more than eight people. And you can only do it between the hours of 10 a.m. and 4 p.m. Or if you're uh, in Europe, 10 to 1,600 hours. And that's what we got. All right. Well, without further ado, we're going to uh, break the seal, so to speak. Uh, the box itself is a pretty nice presentation. A nice, stiff cardboard box followed by a very vibrant red interior and top um, and it's going to take me a minute to get used to this bottle uh, the foil itself very firm <laughs> it reminds me of glenn farkless for some reason it does kind of remind me of that too but it is a solid foil and it is thick it's tearing well that's right she likes that it is definitely well uh, embossed for the foil. The top itself is a solid wood top stained red and it looks like stamped with their seal. I bet you it's uh, real cork. And it is real cork. 
Man, they are going the extra mile. That's a relatively new family owning a, a distiller that was closed for quite some time. They obviously are trying to make a name for themselves. I mean, what they're talking about, what their initial intent was, was to bring back a traditional space side scotch distilling process. Well, I don't know what the traditional space side distilling process is, but just from the slight pour that you've done, and I haven't even got it anywhere near my nose, I could definitely smell apple. I've, I definitely get that orchard fruit. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, uh, off to our, unless there's anything else you need to say. No. All right, then off to our warp speed and our tasty notes. Cheers. Cheers. For this uh, particular uh, scotch uh, by Ben Ro- Romach. Ben Romach. Sorry. Sorry. Yep. Ben 10, ten year, right? Ben Romach 10. Um, actually, I was quite surprised. I haven't heard of this one before, but there's a lot of like distilleries I haven't heard of, so that's not saying much of anything. But um, I, first of all, I'll start off with the presentation. I like the white box with the red and black lettering. Uh, and kind of like the, uh, I don't know if it's like off-white, uh, mm-hmm. like faded coloring in there. Eggshell. Eggshell. Okay, eggshell. <laughs> Just a guess. Um, and then I like how the interior is kind of red, too, when you Dude, open it I up. I actually love that. I love the fact that they went with a high-gloss, bright red yeah. interior. So, And I think because of that, it reminds me of the Glenn Farkless uh, for some reason. Um, and here's one thing I really like is like the bottle is, th- is like a thick, heavy glass. Uh, the foil, as you mentioned, is thick. It has a wooden top. Uh, it has a real cork. It's not pressed cork. Uh, they are doing a lot of things right here. Yeah, it like uh, the on the bottle there. It's what is that? Would you say it's embossed or not embossed, but uh, raised? Raised. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, it. I don't know. I, there's if I. The thing is, is like, <laughs> it's not a. It's not a five, but. No. It, it it is definitely a solid four on the presentation. Uh, as far as the color, uh, I put here. Oh yeah, so, so that's four or five, solid four. Uh, the color, I put a nice like light to medium golden amber, uh, which I enjoy. I like the color, uh, so that got a that got a four out of five as well. Now diving into the scotch itself. Um, the nose. Um, here I put, and I even mentioned this before we broke to do our warp speed. I put apple and I put like, like apple slash orchard fruits. It's almost like if you went to an apple orchard and you're walking through it and you can just smell all the uh, apples, which I I like that. I thought that was great, but it also comes with like uh, leather and uh, and malt. Uh, as well, you can smell the malt and some like leather with subtle hints of smoked peat and oak and caramelized. I said caramelized sugar, um, but uh, I, I think there's definitely a little bit of that that sugar, that caramelized sugar you would get in there when you kind of do that. Um, but I liked it. Um, the nose, I gave it a 27 out of 30. I was, I was impressed with the nose, I really liked nice. it. Um, going to and that was the, that was a high point for me. Um, going to the palate, um, what I got from the nose to what I got to the palate, 
left me wanting. Um, I was expecting, well, from the presentation, the glass, what they put into everything, uh, and the nose, I was expecting, I'm not sure what I was expecting, but um, originally, you know, from the price point, I wasn't expecting much, but when I saw the presentation, the glass and all that stuff, and uh, I, it made me expect more. Um, but, um, the, to me, the, uh, the, the body itself was medium to light and probably a little bit more on the lighter side than the medium side, uh, which is why I'm saying medium to light. Um, and here I put Fuji apple with hints of malt, dried strawberries and hints of leather, uh, which I found it to be has like a nice sweetness to it. Um, had like that nice, uh, leathery, like, I don't know, like that you get from like a nice fine wine that you get like that night, like, or, or old world style wine. You get that kind of like the moss and the leather, that kind of like that, uh, that more earth tones, which, uh, this one actually has that earth tone there. as far as I'm concerned on my palate. And then that all, so the palate itself, um, like I said, it wasn't as it wasn't exactly what I expected. Uh, so I get at a uh, twenty six out of thirty, and then that leads us into the uh, to the finish. So after that that slight hint of leather starts to dissipate for me, I get hit with some spice. And like you, I wasn't really truly able to pinpoint what the spice was. But I tend to lean more on the side that it was like maybe a blend, like baking spices, more of like maybe a blend of like uh, of clove and cinnamon. But I can't really say for certain if that's what it was. Um, but from there, it, uh, after that spice dissipates, I get lots, I get oak, some nice flavor of oak and lots of lingering smoke and ash. Like after that, after like that initial hit of spice, I could taste the yolk. And then once the oak starts to subside, it's just a long, lingering, smoky ash flavor uh, in my mouth, which is actually not too bad. I mean, if you like scotch and stuff like that. Um, so it, it wasn't uh, it wasn't unpleasant. Um, it was still it's it's a very quaffable uh, scotch. Um, and the finish I gave that, this is, I think the finish was lacking in my opinion though. I think it could have been a little bit more well-developed. Uh, so I gave that a 25 out of 30. So my grand total is 86 points. Um, would I take it to a black tie fair? The answer is no. Um, would I take it to game night? The answer is yes. Uh, do I, I think it has a spot on your shelf. Actually I do. Um, there's a lot of like scotches in that same price range. And this one is a very quaffable one. So uh, it's one that I think you could interchange with a lot of others that are in that same price range. So therefore I think it would have a spot on your shelf. Maybe not like a permanent spot, but maybe like a rotating spot. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, 
These current owners of the Ben Romack Distillery, Gordon and MacPhail of Elgin, um, have done an, a very interesting thing and a very nice job here, bringing in a uh, Speyside distillery uh, and bringing it back to life. So a few other things. It is natural color, 43% ABV. Um, they do have one wash still, one spirit still. Annual output is approximately 400,000 liters. Now that, of course, is cast strength, often watered down a little bit to get to certain uh, alcohol percentages like the 43, which is very common um, for a 10-year or a uh, whiskey scotch in that range. Uh, for me, uh, it's very interesting. Much like yourself, gave the presentation a very solid four. The box is great. The bottle is great. Um, it's just not over the top, so it's not getting that extra credit point, so to speak, of five points. But they did a very nice job with the presentation. The color, for me, it is golden amber. The nose. Mm. Green apple. Hint of pear, honey, vanilla, and then what's interesting is, and this is, I find this in all areas, after all of those very noticeable scents here on the nose, it's a building smoke. It builds the more you smell it, uh, the longer it's been open. Um, for me, you gave the, the nose a 27. I gave it a 26, very close, but I do agree with you. Uh, man, it is kind of a high point. I also, though, really do enjoy the palate. Mm, right off the bat, honey malted cereal. Um, there's a fruit medley there, um, which is e immediately followed by creamy toffee, black cherry, which I'm digging. That's what got it the extra point in my mind, and oak, which I also am really enjoying. Um, that oak that follows through the finish, the palate for myself, also got a 26, the finish. Um, the finish is where it really left me wanting. It is fairly long. Malted cereal, again, sticks through, true and true. It's like that Cheerios that just uh, you eat a, a, ball, a handful or a bowl of naked Cheerios. No milk, no water, just the Cheerios. You get that lingering malted cereal in there um, with very subtle smoke that uh, on the finish actually builds before it dissipates. And then before it does go away, the oak resurfaces. And that revisit of the, the black cherry flavor. Uh, for me, the finish of 25 total points, interestingly enough, typically on our lower uh, point range scotches were identical, and this is no exception. 86 for me as well, just those different point standpoints. Um, and. I've got. 25 plus 26 is 51 plus 26 is um, 77, 25, 51, 51 plus 26, 77 plus 5, 80, 
two and four is eighty six. Uh, five on color, four on presentation. Oh, that's where I got mixed up. Sorry, my bad. Oh. <laughs> I missed the five on the color. Mm. Okay, yeah. So for me, also an okay. 86. I'm right there with you. <laughs> I was like looking at the big ones. I'm like, wait, I'm off. <laughs> I thought it was my math that was wrong again. That's why I was like, oh, all good. Um, so with the black tie, I'm right there with you. I'm not taking this to a black tie event. I, I dig it. But it's not black. It's just not black tie to me. Um, but it is game night worthy. Um, the eighty six is kind of like the new low, though. It's interesting because um, eighty six is is a pretty good score. We've had a lot of great scotches. I mean, we've we've breached the the ninety five ninety six range, um, and so a ten point variance is dynamic. Um, game night, yes, on the shelf. I'm saying if you already had a bottle, yes. They do have other age statements. Um, I'm enjoying drinking it, but it's not something I can see myself minus the little bit of black cherry and smoke. I'm not chasing this. Uh, Lagavulin did a very good job in their Offerman, uh, their most recent Offerman edition with the black cherry and the smoke. And I think that best this to the point where I don't need to compare the two. Uh, it is a great Speyside single malt scotch. However, uh, not a place on my shelf. It's time for our shout outs. Uh, I'm going to leave the, the shout outs alone. No shout outs. Okay. Well, I'm going to give a shout out to all the new subscribers. Those are the, you know, those few people who uh, uh, recently subscribed on YouTube. I think we had it like, that was like a couple weeks back where we got up to 96, I think. Uh, and then like in the past like week and a half or whatever, we got three new subscribers on our audio platform. So thank you to you, to all of you. Uh, people uh, uh, hanging in there with us uh, and getting those episodes out. Like I, I had a rough uh, 2023 uh, to where like I got backlogged and never fully caught up. But uh, I appreciate you guys hanging in there with us. And so I'm giving a shout out to all of you listeners. All right. Any get it togethers? Uh, well, you know, I don't want to go like super, super deep. Uh, I'll just give a, uh, get it together to all those people who visited Epstein Island since, uh, those, uh, <coughs> since those document drops have uh, been coming out in the news and a lot of CEOs that were, uh, that had attended that Island are now saying that they are uh, stepping down from their CEO positions as well as some politicians. And, uh, it's amazing how some of the people that were on that flight log are now claiming that they never went or they didn't know anything about stuff. So, uh, the weird part is like these, a lot of these, like these flight logs have actually been out for quite a while. Uh, you just had to look at it, look at them in the alternative media, but now that uh, Congress has actually uh, has started to do the drops, now now the mainstream media is actually paying attention, and I think more of the normies are paying attention as well. It is interesting. It's one of those things where two years ago this was all some weird conspiracy theory, and everyone called it crazy, and now everyone's like, yeah, we knew. Wait a minute, you called me crazy for seeing this two years ago, <laughs> and now it's just like, oh, yeah, they should step down. That's terrible. What? <laughs> Right, I mean, like I, I don't know. I don't. I mean, if it's true, how is it a conspiracy theory? I, I, it's a, I guess what is it? It's a conspiracy theory until proven true. 
that, that must be it. Time? I don't know. That must be it. You know, it's like the the bio stations in Ukraine. They didn't exist either. <laughs> yeah, until they until like oh yeah, until they finally admitted to them. Uh, yeah, and then after months of them finally uh, you know denying it and then admitting to them, a week later, no one cared. Yeah, like it was a problem until it was out there. And there, that's actually to me something that's very interesting and a problem with. People and the news is that you make a big deal of it until you know about it and it's solid. And then you're just going to fold? Like, <laughs> at least be like, yeah, wow, that is wrong. That's why it was such a controversy. Not just a conspiracy, a controversy. That's why it was a big deal. But the second the news brings it out and they're like, okay, these fools have had enough of this. They're all just going to be tired of it because they all give up. They're quitters. And then, yeah, tell them. Tell them we had those biohazard stations all over Ukraine. And then, oh, yeah, there were 20 plus. And then, oh, well, okay. Let's move on to the next hazard. Right. <laughs> so the other thing here, I guess, another quick, uh, I guess, get it. To, it's not necessarily a get it together, maybe more so of a warning. But there's been a lot of stuff coming out uh, in the media, the mainstream media, as well as alternative media, about a black swan event coming in 2024. Um, and usually when there's a black swan event, it, uh, it's going to, it's going to be something drastic that happens with the economy. So I would say, uh, just for, you know, for those people who, uh, who don't pay attention, uh, to, uh, big events, uh, you might want to pay attention to this one because it's, it's in an election year. So who knows what kind of bumpy ride we're going to hit with this uh, black swan event. All right, well, for my two get-it-togethers this week, number one, I'm just going to keep it simple and sweet. You guys have your own opinions. All the states taking off, we're threatening to take off presidential candidates off the ballots. Okay, so now as a state, you're taking away your citizens' rights. This is not okay to me. You guys can have your own opinion um, because before you know it, you're going to be paying for the world's health care, not just other people's health care, which falls into my number two get it together. Um, fiscally irresponsible states. And if you, guys, <laughs> if you guys ever want to bring up um, any of these pieces, feel free to leave some comments in oh. our uh, you know, Illinois. all over our, our website here. Um, it's going to be Colorado. With the shows. Yeah, it's no, Colorado's already there. They took away the right to vote for the president. You might want to vote. Like, oh, no, I thought you were talking about the fiscally irresponsible part there. The, both are part. They're both so <laughs> intertwined. Like, it is so crazy to me. So let me just consider, have you all consider this. Um, and, th and then I will drop this like it's hot. Um, I have covered in times uh, the health care for my entire family. Now, what if all of a sudden the state just decided that now I have to cover the health care for not just my family, but my neighborhood? Um, I can't afford that. But the state says, oh, don't worry, we'll make it work. Um, how are you going to make that work? Like all of my dollars as tax dollars don't cover that. Um, so you guys just keep your, uh, your eyes and your minds open. And I'm not saying don't be great people. Don't want to do the, uh, don't 
don't not want to do the right thing, uh, but be fiscally responsible. Um, and, and I think you mentioned a few states. So I'm just going to talk about California. Like, what are you doing for all the people who can't even insure their homes? Uh, but you're going to wait. Are you going to take cover their houses? You're already bankrupt. And then who's paying for the health care? And as, if I'm a California citizen, I am terrified right now. Um, so it's interesting because if that's the case, man, if you're gonna, you shouldn't have done healthcare. You should have just covered all of the car insurance and house insurance costs. Why not? Well, it's not just like <laughs> the healthcare part. It's like they're giving free healthcare to illegal aliens. Let's let's not even go there. Let's just say cover everyone's automobile and housing insurance because that is going to be less expensive in the long run than healthcare because you have someone um, that you are now covering for healthcare and they're in the hospital for a month because they, they have a are heart they attack. All the, are they covering all the Californians? Because I don't think they're covering no, all the No, they're just covering, they're just covering the illegal group. But what I'm saying is that's where it's wrong. So my point here is they have chosen who they're going to cover. It doesn't even matter that they're non-citizens. They're like, this group over here, pretend that's the white group. This group over here, the white group, we're just going to cover them for this and everyone else. You guys will we'll tell you how you're going to pay for it with tax dollars in the future. That's literally what they have done, except it's the opposite. <laughs> yeah, except they chose illegal brown group. That's not even the point to me. The point is, it's just not fiscally responsible. Well, it is not physically. Yeah, fiscally, it's totally irresponsible. Uh, but and then that, like, to, I'm sorry, but to the other, to your other one too. <laughs> We're gonna save democracy by taking away your right to freedom. It's to vote. literally the opposite of democracy, right? <laughs> like, first of all, we're not even a democracy; we're a republic. But if you go even beyond the fact that we are a republic and not a democracy, where supposedly you know in a democracy everyone gets a vote. Well, if you take a person's right away to vote, how is that a democracy? Did you just not just did you all of a sudden just skip through uh, being a democracy and taking it away, saying like, oh, well, we're going to take away your right to vote and we're going to save democracy. And then by trying to save democracy, by taking away people's vote, now you just already became a, th a tyranny. Right. And so for everyone who hates Russia, where you can't vote for anyone but Putin, you just are turning America into Russia. <laughs> yeah. You just like, you, you just, you just created what you said you're trying to stop. It makes speaking no of, sense. Speaking of which, in Russia, they do actually have a choice. Yeah, they do. Where they're just taking ours away in America. And by the way, whether we want to face it or not, uh, most people do love Putin. For a reason. For good reason. Hey, you know what? Their economy is thriving. I'll put it this way. <laughs> if I had a choice between Putin and Biden, I probably would go with Putin. Yeah, at this I, want, point. I, I want to see him riding around the White House. I want to see him wrestling a bear and shit. On a white horse, shooting things. I agree with you, man. <laughs> Make America great again. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that guy just like walking around with his shirt off, riding horses, like, wrestling bears and crap. What is like, he, 75? Yeah. It's like, come on, man. I, do I want that or do I want some guy who's going to fall going up the stairs? And he can't and, and like walks around in circles trying to shake hands with the curtain. Yeah, because he didn't realize that everyone was behind him. Yeah, <laughs> we don't even have to go there. Anyway, sorry for bringing up what turned into a downward spiral to me probably going to hell. But. <laughs>
The Upper Deck, and this is located at 18595 Main Street in Parker, Colorado. If you guys don't know, the zip code there is 80134. <laughs> I didn't know that. All right, so as you think about this experience, uh, what did you think about The Upper Deck? Well, The Upper Deck, uh, as you're driving by, like on Parker, I think you can see it from Parker Road, or if you're driving down on Main Street, Main. Uh, you, you see the, uh, uh, the actual like outside deck and it actually looks like it'd be a cool place to chill out during like, uh, you know, during warm weather or during the summertime. And I know for a while this has been on our, uh, list to hit up, uh, because, uh, but we, they were closed on Monday. Yeah, they were closed on Monday, on Monday. So we never went there, but luckily we found out that they changed the hours. And so I was excited to go check it out. The one thing though that is kind of weird about going there is that it's it's basically like a hotel restaurant. So you actually have to go inside a hotel to get to the restaurant. Um, and I wasn't like I think I know we figured that out earlier, but before that first time, I would not have known that I was like inside a a hotel. Uh, but uh, anyways, you just take the elevator up, or you could go up one flight of steps. It's on the second level. I think it's only like three or four level uh, hotel, anyways. Four level building. It's yeah. on the second of four. Yeah. And uh, we walk in. It, I like the decor there. Uh, I think it has a whole lot of promise. It was uh, it was pretty dead. I think it was us and one table, and and then like as we were getting ready to leave, one other person walked in there. So like a total of like three tables total. Stranger danger. <laughs> um, and uh, I did ask the waitress, like, if, if, if it's always this slow. And she said that uh, after they change, like, after COVID and after they changed hours to be on the same night, same nights as football, that Monday nights have been really slow. Um, but she said it still picks up on Fridays and Saturdays. So maybe it does. Um, honestly, I thought it was a nice place. Uh, so as far as the. Uh, interior decoration and i and i especially think probably uh during the summertime if you're able to sit on the patio i think it'd be an awesome place um so i'm gonna give like the like the core and stuff like that i'm giving that like a nine i really like the place the one the one drawback though and i don't think this aesthetically by looking at the place I, i'm not digging it here on this spot um is that it only has three kegs on tap uh, but for a bar like this, it probably needs a lot more, a lot more beers on tap than just three. It would definitely help drive business. Yeah. Now, going to the food and drink area, this is where the tap comes into play. Where they only have three beers on tap, uh, they they have a list of beers that they're trying to get rid of out of cans, and those like they're trying they're trying to like get rid of these beers, but yet those beers costed more than their happy hour drafts. Uh, but in my opinion, I think if you're trying to get rid of some beers, you, they should be at least be the same cost as your happy hour. Uh, which brings me to the, I guess, value. I'm probably jumping here, uh, jump, jumping up a little, uh, jumping ahead a little bit. But the price value for this place, I don't, I did not like. Um, <laughs> I don't want to say I don't like. It's just like, I think I can get the, like, uh, the same quality of burger elsewhere and pay less money um it was a pretty good it was a good burger 
The Metropolitan Martin Grills Burger is probably the closest one we've had for me that's the same quality. Well, on a Monday, it's much less expensive. Yeah, but I also think like the uh, the place up by Brian's house, the uh, bookkeepers. Bookkeepers. I think their burgers are really good too. I haven't had one of those in a year. So I would say like bookkeepers is right up there, and I think bookkeepers costs a little bit less than this place. I mean, because this place with two uh, with two beers and a burger was like thirty eight dollars. Uh, if I if I got my numbers right, I think it was like. Yeah, I had one more beer than you, and mine was forty six. Yeah, so uh, I, honestly, I think uh, I mean I got the bacon. It's is bacon something bacon burger, which had like really nice thick bacon, which was good. The uh, the beef was excellent. It was cooked at the right temperature. This kind of like beef anoli or whatever like bacon sauce that they had that they did was great. It it actually tasted really well without any like barbecue or ketchup or anything added onto it. Um, near the end, I did dip it like into some barbecue so that way I could taste the difference between not adding a sauce and, and having a sauce. And uh, it was excellent either way. I had a choice of waffle fries or regular fries, I think it was. Went with the waffle fries. And uh, honestly, I, I really did. I liked my meal. I thought my meal was great. But the value, I don't, I'm not quite sure the value was there. If I want a burger and a couple of beers, I, I don't really necessarily want to spend like $50. I think after tip, I was like, yeah, like, 46 or 47 dollars anyways um so i you know that's why i said the value i don't think it's quite there for a burger and fries and a couple of beers uh but maybe i'm just like tainted on on tailgate where i can on monday where i can go get a a pretty good burger not quite as good as as upper decks burger <coughs> but a pretty good burger for seven dollars and two beers and then walk out paying less than twenty dollars uh, <laughs> $50, $20, or I could go to the Metropolitan Bar and Grill, get a darn good burger and a beer for $14. Uh, you know, like, is, is was that was that burger an extra 20 or $30 better than the other two places? And my opinion is it wasn't 20 or $30 better. Uh, so. The food itself, I, I say the burger, the food itself, I, I, I like the burger a lot. I'm going to give the burger a nine. But if I throw the value price into there, I'm gonna, it's going to drop down to like a six. Uh, the, wait, the waitress, super nice. She is very friendly, uh, very accommodating as far as like I want, you know, some extra sauce. Uh, accommodating because I wanted to have the... Uh, the football game on, so she was able. She was good. She was willing to change. She even the, turned the volume on. Yeah, and that was. And I didn't even ask for the volume. The other table did. And so, uh, the one the one problem I had with her, and this seems like it's been like an ongoing trend with a lot of places, is that when we were ready to end our evening and leave, the wait the waitress disappeared. Uh, but other than that one factor. Uh, she was pretty good, so I'm going to give her an eight, actually, which is probably more than what she should have gotten. Um, but if everybody else is, like, wait staff was, like, on time and always, like, prompt when we're finished eating, then that would stick out more like a sore thumb than what it, than what it has lately anyways. Uh, so 
overall, I'm giving the place. I think that overall the place is, is an eight, but I just don't think it has the best value for for the meal that you get. Would I go there again? Yes, I'm probably going to go there again because I want to try their chicken pot pie. I really do. I want to try the chicken pot pie. I'll bet their chicken fried steak is amazing on top of that. Yeah, probably so. I'm not a big chicken fried steak fan, but I, I knew that you kind of you kind of got like, ooh, kind of like when you heard about that. I do like chicken pot pies, though. So so do I. And after you said that, I was like, the only th- reason I didn't get it when you asked about it, because I was about ready to switch over, is that I want the crust across the whole top. I don't know what it is. I'm a bread lover. Maybe that's it. But when I, you have that crispy crust across yeah, the whole time. I love when you crack it open <laughs> and you see the steam and the, like, yes! you see the gravy kind of come out and the steam go up. Yeah, I love a Popeye like that, you know. Uh, so, uh, and especially if you get one that's like more like homemade rather than like the frozen kind, those are the best kind of like Popeyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I'll probably go back and try the place again just to go for the Popeye. Um is it a destination spot? No. Would I take a date there? Yes. All right. Very interesting. So for myself, uh, the upper deck, I had the jalapeno popper burger and also the waffle fries. And I'm going to start backwards here. The waffle fries were on point. They were perfectly yes. crispy. And if they added any salt, perfectly salted. Um I had a side of blue cheese dressing for the waffle fries and some ketchup. Both were amazing additions. Uh, and the waffle fries were a 10. I'm just going to say it that way. Um, the, the food and drink as we wrap this up. The drink is the only thing that drops this score down because along with the food, the beer selection was squat um, as far as what was on tap. And there is a difference, for, especially for certain beers, uh, what tastes great um, from the draft and what is in a bottle. And I will use the Palisade Peach as the perfect example. From a bottle, it is only half as good as it is when it is on tap. Um, and I did try a Palisade Peach, and it was exactly what I expected, but I still, that was my dessert. So with a little bit of sweet peach at the end um, was a great addition to my Jalapeno Popper Burger. The Jalapeno Popper Burger, um, the beef patty, first of all, medium rare. The bun, uh, the patty was cooked to perfection. It wasn't bloody, but it was still pink and perfectly tender on the inside. The bun was dynamite. The bacon was amazing. It did have bacon on it. And then it had the jalapenos. Uh, Jalapenos were great. The cream cheese was fantastic. And then it's a uh, mixed berry compote. And with that, it was mostly blueberries, which is perfect because that's my favorite berry on anything with cream cheese and bacon. Um, My burger was also a 10. Like the only reason for food that it is only getting a 9 and not a 10 is because of the selection. Now going to value. Here's the tricky part. 
I agree with you 100%. For value, my score is only a seven. So the environment, the parking lot, not so great. The building's location, not so great. Construction going around gets super busy with the movie theater there. If there's a movie worth seeing and you're at a prime time, um, tonight we were able to get great parking, but it's still not super well lit for a hotel um, that considers themselves an upper scale hotel. The atmosphere inside, a solid nine. It was really nice. It was. Uh, very comforting. It was surprisingly dead inside for a restaurant that years ago when they first opened, uh, you were waiting half an hour or more, according to people I had talked to, to get into, um, especially with their beer selection. I really don't understand why people would wait there if you're going for something with a beer. Um, the burger was that good. $20 good? $20 plus dollars good? That really remains the question. Um, so value becomes a seven. The service was an eight. She was a 10 until halfway through the meal when she started to play on her phone over at the bar and just kind of, and I don't want to say neglected, but if you're only covering two tables, you failed right at the end, which is when you want the W. Speaking of the W, I pulled this up. Game is held solid at a 1320. So there is still a chance for that game to go either way, <coughs> which is interesting. Um, <coughs> here's where I'm going to wrap up my total score. Interestingly enough, I've started adding them and I'm going to give the points not to the individual uh, aspects of so the value, the food, the service, the environment or atmosphere, but as a total, and I got exactly an 8.0, which is what you gave it. So our Scotch scores were exactly the same. Our dinner scores were exactly the same. That is not an everyday occurrence, you guys, but it's, it's great that it was here because I think it does truly speak to, even though our points are valued in different areas. Um, when we talk about a full experience, we know what we want and we want something that ultimately gives us that same value range. And that was the, the struggle here. Um, would I meet a friend there? So what you mentioned, here's how I would say about value and experience and everything else. If I am going, especially on a Monday, um, to meet a friend for a burger and a drink, this is not the first, second, might not even, it's not even the third place I'd go. So it is not a destination immediately. Um, I would go to tailgate before because of value, then the Metropolitan Bar and Grill. Bookkeeper's a little bit further out of the way, but that would be number three. This would be number... See, I haven't had an Alpha Charlie's Burger. I've only ever had the fish and chips. Oh, Alpha Charlie's Burgers are good. Man. So maybe I'll have to try that. But right now it's resting at, in a 15-mile radius. It's only sitting number four for me. Um, and that comes down to value. But now, on the flip side, if I'm meeting a date... Date-worthy, totally. Dude, this place is date-worthy. I agree 100%, um, especially if you're looking to maybe get lucky because it's got a hotel attached and they definitely had available rooms tonight. Um, so with that, uh, it, it was great. Happy ending. <laughs> Happy ending, baby. You get a massage and everything. Uh, I, I, I'm sure they charge a pretty penny for those rooms, but it might be worth it if she is worth it. So with that... Uh, um, man, 
Would Bill, I take it? If you pull a Bill Cosby. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I don't want to be doing that. I only need life imprisonment, but with nothing else. What I will say is it is absolutely date worthy because that piece of it, in my mind, unless you're just looking for a loud experience, <clears throat> if you're looking for one of those, I want to get slammed and hammered and just drunk dates where you've got an, a ride arranged and all sorts of things, I'll probably go to tailgate first. And then I would probably go to the Metropolitan Bar and Grill. And then I would probably go to Bookkeepers. <laughs> and then this place. Um, but otherwise, man, this place out of the, the four is the first place I would take a date that I wanted to like have a great conversation with and really enjoy the environment. We have not been in there in the summer. This is they they just recently opened on Mondays for this uh, this football year, um, which we did not catch earlier in the season. In and we just caught it at the end. Uh, but as we usually go to the restaurants on Mondays, it was nice that they had made that change, even though we caught it at the tail end, because we got to enjoy. It. I imagine this place would be amazing in the summer. Um, so uh, not the first place I take a friend, but the first place in the area I would probably take a date if looking truly for a hamburger because at the last moment they might want something else anyway. Uh, but then they not a destination. A um, couple key things to mention here. It's interesting to me how so many hotels, hospitality fields, and I don't know if this is a COVID result or something else, are kind of missing the mark in my mind. Now, for example, I'm going to say this is a hotel. They've got a couple, several different restaurants, um, and they weren't open on Mondays. Guess what Monday is? The the highest day of the week that there's a holiday on upcoming Martin Luther King day. <laughs> you know, like most holidays and days off are celebrated on Monday. That's the day I'd be open to make some bank. Another point is their cigar shop closed on Mondays. Same thing. Open 10 to five. I have never wanted uh, or had some huge craving for a cigar while I was out and about between 10 and five It's between five and midnight. <laughs> So if I want to do that, again, they missed the boat. So I know they just, they're, they're under new management. The, our waitress was very educational for us. Um, hopefully they'll make some good changes for their long-term prosperity. You know, that's a good point. I didn't know that the, that the cigar shop was only open until 5 p.m. Well, that's why I went over there and I'm like, wait, are you kidding me? Like, well, you close at 5 and you're closed how on many, Mondays? How many people are going to be able to go to that <laughs> cigar shop? Like, just... If, you, if you work, you yeah. can't. Yeah. Yeah. Not unless you get off like at three o'clock because like get anywhere around Denver, you're not going to get there from like downtown to, to Parker 30 minutes. Yeah. And exactly. When, when do I feel most like smoking a cigar? I Memorial Day, a holiday on a Monday, President's Day on a Monday. <laughs> After I had a few drinks that night. <laughs> on a Monday. <laughs> on a Monday. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right. Uh, anything else? No, that's it. Um, I really did enjoy the experience. I believe they have the world of potential, but I am with you. Um, they've got some opportunity and value is the one thing, only because the competition right around them is so stiff. I don't know if they know that. Like, I, like I, we probably should have shared with them, hey, you know, these everyone around you that has a great burger has half price burger Mondays or burger and, and a beer for half of what you're charging so yeah we met maybe we should share that with them maybe Smart.
All right. This week's Smarter Challenge was to try to have a conversation, I <laughs> emphasize try, with some other individuals and really consider, um, you know, what is it that is about history? And put more specifically, um, history isn't always to show us, and really it isn't to show us, what happened in the past. We can do that anywhere. To really consider and contemplate and research history is really for us to try to explain what we're experiencing in the present. Um, and I'll throw the first example out there. And then if you have some you want to share, because it was very difficult to find anyone. Um, I found one out of eight people I talked to that could really speak to this or wanted to speak to it. That may be another thing. Maybe the other ones were just bothered by it. And that is, hey, if you think about history is the summation of events that happened and explain why we're living now and not what happened in the past, um, how would you consider that and what would you think about and maybe it's that they, most of them weren't anybody that appreciated history. So they didn't really want to think about, okay, so if I think about it that way, Vietnam War did this and it's impacted me in this way or X and Y and Z. Um, so one example though was, and this is a, a perfect one, is that if you interviewed 10 children um, in the several years right after the Great Depression, what did they want? What was it they asked for? Things like bread to see their father, to spend more time with their family that were never home and always out working, um, to have a warm meal, um, to get to you know spend time with their mother. And what do kids want today? If you ask the same age group of kids, so we're talking about the five to 10 year old group, what do the kids want today? I wanna be a millionaire, I wanna be a billionaire, I wanna be rich, I wanna have nice things, I wanna have a giant house, I want a mansion. And it is a perspective of, None of those things are going to make these kids happy in the long term in most cases, especially if they don't have the job to afford to pay the taxes um, for everyone in California or uh, their house or the the money um, versus what what's really important in life. And yeah, a roof over your head, um, food in your belly, and spending time with loved ones. Um, did you have any examples you yourself had thought about? Uh, yeah. So first of all, like you, I had, uh, I, I didn't talk to eight people. I gave up after two. <laughs> uh, I was a little bit of a, <laughs> um, here, here's the main, the main reason. I think you said originally you got the quote, uh, from, uh, the movie, the leftovers. Yeah. The movie the leftovers. And that movie's actually kind of a, in my opinion, a little bit more of an intellectual movie, kind of like how sideways was. Cause I think it's the same people who did sideways. Um, and honestly, talking to younger people, I don't think they either, A, they don't care as much about history, but I don't think that's really the case. I just don't think they're educated as well as they used to be. Uh, and uh, I think there's a greater reason to that, but not to go there. Uh, I Like I said, I just <laughs> gave up because I didn't want to try to explain this to anybody, so... <laughs> But um, the example I've I I kind of came across, or at least the one I thought of personally, is bread and circuses. 
So bread and circuses, for those who may or may not know, is we refer to the basically uh, the entertaining of or basically the entertaining of the uh, masses as the fall of Rome was happening. Right. So you had the entertainment, the circuses coming in with the uh, uh, with the gladiator games and then they gave him bread and stuff like that. So they made him kind of like fat and happy and distracted them from. Uh, Rome falling apart. You saw this again happen in history during the Weimar Republic, uh, where there's a lot of decadence going on with uh, with the uh, <clears throat> German film uh, going on there. German film during the 1920s uh, rivaled that of Hollywood, um, and they had like tons of like nightclubs and all types of stuff. So they, they had the whole bread circuses going on during the fall of the Weimar Republic. And I think right now, uh, to look at history and to understand what we are going through today, you can very much look at what happened at the time of the fall of Rome. You can look at the time, uh, at the fall uh, the Weimar Republic and look at what's happening in the United States at this point in time. Uh, you saw like, especially if we look at Weimar Republic, they distracted the masses. A lot of them weren't prepared for the economic collapse that, that was ahead of them. Uh, and you're seeing the same thing here, uh, with Weimar Republic. They, they, in order to pay off their world war one debts, they, uh, printed insane amount of, Marks to devaluate the uh, the mark, and it became worthless. And you had like them taking barrels of marks to buy one loaf of bread. To buy one loaf of bread, and you see the same thing happening here with artificial inflation, or keeping uh, not artificial inflation, but keeping the interest rates artificially low. You have quantitative easing, and you have the Federal Reserve just straight up printing money. Three different ways of them printing out money, all in different aspects, all doing the same thing that happened during Weimar. And then during the same type of uh, things you see that happened during Weimar, as far as like policies that were created, you see some of the same type of policies being created now. Uh, so yeah, bread and circuses is what I came up with. And I think you have to understand what happened in the past there to understand what's happening now. I think that's a good point. Um, that's actually a great example. Most people weren't able to give one. Uh, and at the end of the day, the old adage, the old quote, those who fail to learn from history are doomed to repeat it. It comes over, over, and over again. I do think that uh, some of the modern masterminds have found other ways to hide that. Um, but at the end of the day, the biggest struggle here for me is, okay, we know the economy should be hurting. And yet people keep having more money than supposedly is around to invest in the stock market and other expenses. And at what point is it going to fail? And, and to your point, does that fail become a collapse? And there are lots of ways for there to be collapses. We've seen it throughout all time. So uh, here's another example. If you're on an airplane and you're a parent and you have two kids with you and you, you get into some turbulent situation, the air mask drop on, what are you supposed to do? Well, number one, 
Cut the line. You put your own ear mask on. (laughs) Then you take care of your kids. Because if you try to take care of one of your kids, and maybe you get that ear mask on one of your kids, but then you pass out before you get the second one, you might have been able to save them both. Now one plus you are gone, and the other one's not going to be able to take care of themselves depending on age, of course. The assumption here is they're in that one, one, well, we'll say two to eight-year-old range if the plane crashes in uh, uh, Atlantic. uh, I shouldn't say Atlantic. Uh, maybe the Atlantic. It could crash in the Atlantic and you've got a raft, but you only got an eight-year-old, probably not going to make it. But also, what if it happens to crash in an Alaskan mountain range? What then? Like, who's going to understand and think things? Hopefully the parent would be able to figure some things out. Most likely not a five-year-old. And with that, I don't know that our generations are at this point teaching the younger generations the simple basics of, okay, learn consider don't dwell the whole point right now and all social media is look forward live in the present don't look back that is absolutely not the case in our own personal lives we don't need to dwell on the past but what we should absolutely do is say okay nobody wants to fail but if you look back and you think about okay in the last two years what's the worst three things that i experienced and were they my fault okay two out of three were my fault one was out of my control What am I doing to make sure the other two don't happen again? That's the same thing. It comes to personal finances. Um, Healthcare is part of your personal finances. Um, A roof over your head, part of your personal finances. What are we doing to make sure those pieces are protected? And then for our loved ones, um, understanding that sacrifices are real uh, and you don't always get to live in the moment. No. Uh, yeah, I think, uh, another thing, just kind of go on with, um, that same scenario about like, you gotta help yourself before you help others. Um, and uh, about like taking time to look in the past. I think one of the traits or one of the skills that hasn't really been passed down is probably to garden. I agree. Uh, Because if you like, let's just say what happens, uh, if we do actually follow, completely down the road of what happened to Rome and the Weimar Republic. Food is going to become astronomically high. People won't be able to afford food. Right now, we live in a society where most people do not know how to grow their own food. Uh, And if they do not know how to grow their own food, uh, there is a saying uh, in a book uh, that was written by, uh, I think it was the, it's either the, uh, uh, quiet weapons for silent wars, or it was in uh, uh, the committee of three hundred, or uh, <laughs> the pell uh, the pell horse. I, I don't know which one it is. It's one of the, it's one of those three books. But anyways, uh, it is mentioned that the those who control the food control the people, and I think if you look at during world uh, during the Great Depression, those who struggled the most were those who had no means or capability of of growing their own food. Education. Yeah. And so I, I think if you want to help offset those types of like follies or uh, hiccups in society, because there will always be those type of hiccups because man, man is man or humans are humans. We will make some of these same mistakes over and over. It may not be exactly the same because the technology is different, but we will come across the same same uh, obstacles, uh, but in different fashions. Um, and I think 
it becomes, I think if we want to offset it, people need to learn how to do some of those things, like how to sew, how to uh, 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 garden and stuff like that. I love that you brought that up, and here's why. It's because most recently, France, uh, and I'm sure you saw this. If not, it's it was all over the news. Most recently, France banned pesticides for the beet farmers and sugar farmers in their country, which produces, actually has a vast production of these things. They banned pesticides in the use of these crops. Now, here's what's interesting to me. So they're like saying, okay, so this might be bad. This might be bad. They don't know any of that. They're just saying it might be bad. But at the end of the day, it's not bad for us to eat those things. Um, They're just worried about other little bugs and insects. Okay, so it's not okay to put a pesticide on a sugar beet, but it's okay. They literally were this close to forcing all humans to get a vaccine, an untested vaccine for COVID? <laughs> what? Right? Wait a minute. So we wised up to one, not to other. If you haven't seen that thing in France, you should watch some of the videos. It's hilarious. These farmers went to the next level, like like Civil War status. Well, I know they did that in Germany. <laughs> did, yeah. I, know, like, I didn't hear about the, the farmers in France, but I did hear about the farmers in Germany. Um, there were like 2,000 tractors that showed up and like sprayed their parliament with all sorts of pesticides <laughs> and stuff. It was awesome. <laughs> So, yeah, uh, but I think this also comes to another point that you've mentioned to me plenty of times. There is not a story that has already been written. And I think the same thing holds true with history because I even had mentors who said, no matter what you're struggling with, someone has already been through that same struggle as you. Uh, yeah, it may have happened at a different time frame. There might have been different situations, but that same struggle is there. You just have to to tweak those minor differences to update it for what it might have been in 1920 versus what it is in 2024. Same struggles, uh, just, you know, just different uh, players, if you will. And so I think that's the same thing with history, and I think that's what that's kind of going at, is like nothing that you're going to come across now has not already occurred in the past. So you can learn from the past and understand what's happening to you right now. I think the other piece I wanted us to experience from this, and unfortunately, um, you know, most people our age don't have grandparents living anymore. If you do, the point is go talk to with them, spend some time with them, learn from them, because most of them are the last generation that experienced what true, true tragedy was and how it was overcome. And if you don't realize this, COVID-19 was the closest thing this modern generation has faced to a war with, unless you're in a few countries like Afghanistan or Israel or Ukraine. Um, And it's so baffling to me when we think about even what's going on in our own United States, taking presidents off of ballots state by state or threatening to. And it is literally what has happened in countries we have written terrible things about in our history books including china russia all these other countries we are literally doing what they're doing and they became uh most people call them like socialist or communist and we've always been told we don't want to be any piece of that and i don't want to be any piece of either of those by the way but with that we are letting our current leaders move us in that direction 
I agree with you, but I also think there's a slight difference there. I think when we were growing up, that's what we were taught. I think the younger generation, because if you listen to a lot of like like some of like or like at some of the uh, uh, polls that have come out, a lot of them uh, believe that social socialism works or communism works, but that it hasn't been done correctly yet. It it will never. There is no correctly <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So I think we have to understand, like, the educational system has been polluted with these socialists and communists and that the youth have uh, been, uh, need to be uh, educated about what's happened in these other countries to understand what, like, what, what they're, like, what's happening here and to know, like, what the next five moves are going to look like and what's going to happen at, at the end game. It's not going to be pleasant. No. And first thing I want to say is Mila and Aiden, here's my shout out to you guys for knowing the opposite of any of that, for wanting to have your right to make choices and, and really fighting against this uh, aberration uh, abomination of our rights, like our constitutional rights that they're trying to take away state by state, one at a time in all these different directions. I love the fact that my kids aren't doing that. But for all these people who are wanting to go in that direction, here's the first example. If you want to know what that would be like, get off your PlayStation 5 for 12 hours a day and go work an extra 12 hours a day so you can afford bread. Because that's where you will ultimately go so you can move up the social ladder so that uh, six months from now you can get bread and tuna. Oh, you hate tuna? Guess what? doesn't matter. It's all you can afford, and it's uh, probably leaded because it's from China. But without that, uh, you need another six months just eating those two things, and then you can get the mayonnaise. Hey, man, you are almost up to a full sandwich. Maybe you get some relish or something in there. You might be able to make that good. Uh, socialism, communism, you have no choices unless you are the elite. None of you that want that option of socialism or communism are the elite. Your choices go down, not up. Well, in those books, like, they're, they're referred to as useful idiots. <laughs> I, seriously, that's what they're called. I haven't worked as hard as I have my whole life to move backwards. I don't think most of us have. Right. And most of us haven't. That's what they don't understand. In a socialist or communist <laughs> country, you will work even harder and you will go nowhere if not move backwards. You'll work harder and go backwards. <laughs> <laughs> and you won't be playing on your PlayStation 5 for 12 hours a day. No, you will not be. Like, like soft times create, or soft men create hard times. Hard times create. Strong, strong men. men. And with that, that's another piece of this history where things are cyclical. And I see it all the time at my work, typically a five year to eight year cycle. Um, with those cycles, they do come back around. Now for others, it's typically three generations, um, three generations being 45 years. And all of a sudden we're seeing a similar situation. So an in interesting fact, you mentioned COVID, uh, there is a graph that came out that showed all the countries that ivermectin was uh, illegal or wasn't allowed to be like issued. All first world Western nations. Weird. But you could get it in all third world countries. So any like Western European countries, Canada, United States, Australia, uh, those all those countries, we weren't allowed to have them. Hmm. I don't know. Just saying, they, I, just a new graph. I just saw that graph today. Anyways, uh, back to uh, 
Well, just as as we wrap this up, please just be conscious. I'm not asking you guys to all become history majors, but really, as you used a, a good example as well, find people, um, older, younger, etc., share, learn from, um, communicate with, because there is a wealth of knowledge out there. Some of it's in books, some of it's in people, um, some of it's in a mentor who can tell you what you're going through and they went through it in their life and what they did, even though your result and income uh, and outcome may not be the same. Make sure you take time to not repeat a failed history. Exactly what you said. All right, we move on to next week's Smarter Challenge. Next week's Smarter <laughs> Challenge. Uh, we are, uh, I was going to do like a, like a free-for-all, but I actually remembered I had one already set up. All right. Uh, and this was for us to rewatch the old movie Deep Cover with Larry Fishburne and Jeff Goldblum <laughs> and discuss... Uh, how that relates to today's society because in there in the movie uh, there's one specific uh, line that he talks about he says it's not it's not a racial issue or whatever it's not like whites versus blacks or whatever versus whatever it's the rich versus the poor uh, I believe, something like that I, I don't remember exactly the quote but uh, Jeff Goldblum talks to Larry, first, Larry Fishburne about that it's the rich versus the poor and uh, I figured it would be uh, in the society that we are currently living in I think it would be an interesting topic to visit that and uh, re revisit that movie and also that main line for that movie uh, that I'm picking out all right, I love it. That's also, especially for when that movie came out, we're talking not so long after Miami Vice, back before pot and everything became legal in so many places. Now mushrooms are legal in so many places. And it's interesting because we talk about rich versus poor. What were they really trying to do or control? It is interesting. It is. All right, um... With that, thank you to everyone who watches us on YouTube and Rumble. If you made it this far, we greatly appreciate all of you. Thank you to all the people listening to us on those many different audio, uh, podcast platforms. We thank all of you as well, all of our new subscribers. Shout out to all of you guys. And uh, please like, share, subscribe. Uh, leave some comments down below. And if you do like us and you want to contribute to our uh, fun informational hour and a half uh, show uh, please uh, feel free to donate to us on our uh, Podbean Patreon link down below in the, in the description feel free to share ideas of scotches you would like us to taste if you're from one of these distilleries share your opinions about our review what you thought we could learn uh, we can always arrange a call or a Skype or uh, any number of uh, situations for you to share more about your distillery on our show as well so feel free to do that remember drink responsibly life is great that does not mean it's always going to be easy as a matter of fact it shouldn't and that's why we're not communists or socialists list uh, is because you still get the easy parts even though it shouldn't always be easy and with that until next week scotchman cheers cheers we hope you enjoyed this evening's episode of scotch hour if you did please like 
share, and subscribe. Also, if you have not done so already, please become a Patreon member with memberships starting as low as $1 a month. Thank you, and hopefully you have a wonderful evening.